Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. And today I'm recording this. It's a Tuesday. It's November 21st. It's 2023. And we're going to take a deep breath. And if you read the title, you saw that I am creating that imagery of when the dam breaks, where will you be? Will you be upstream? Will you be on the side watching it or will you be downstream? And if you are downstream, will you sink, swim, or just get swept away? And I wanted to create that kind of image or that feeling of a lot of rushing power. Uh, which, what do you do with it? Are you afraid of it? And how collectively we're kind of in a moment of time where there's a great big dam and it's starting to break. So before we dive into that, we're going to just take a step back. And if you are new, I would like to say welcome. If you are here a while, uh, you know how this goes. We're here to talk about the world through the filter of what I call wired for danger, really meaning that some of us are, I believe, born pre-wired to respond to danger as fight, flight, freeze. And we all have all three, none are right or wrong, but I think some of us have a basic system set in motion when we are created. And it kind of, my theory is it guides us through our life. We sort of default into that as the way we are in the world. And the fight people, the danger people, they're just not a lot of us and we don't fit in. And so I've been on this quest my whole life trying to figure out why I'm so out of sync with everybody and trying to make peace with it if we're all honest about it. So that said, uh, I have done a step back these last uh, week or so, maybe longer. I don't know. You know how like when you start looking for something online, all of a sudden you get uh, all these other links, wanted or unwanted. I, this algorithm thing is kind of annoying, but there's so much going on that's so big out in the world. It's There's this overwhelming pressure. And in the last uh, podcast, if you haven't listened to that, I suggest that you do, even if you're not excited about mice, because you know what I'm trying to do is bring you into this world of language and energy and uh, frequency and emotion and how we're so resistant, a certain group of us <clears throat> guys, about thinking that feelings and emotions are bad. And I'm trying to change that conversation and I'm doing with it, you with it, with it, I'm doing it with you in live time. I'm sort of thinking and learning and understanding in live time. So this is all raw. It's not the the end of a theory that has been well calculated and is being re represented. It's the beginning and it's a sorting and uh, organizing process that I've been doing out loud with you. Uh, I was thinking how once you get to your bottom line, you have to repeat it over and over and over again, uh, part of your story. And I thought, I'm never, that's why I can never do it. I'm only interested in the process. I'm not interested in final conclusions and just sitting there with it a long time. So you got to keep up if you want to keep on this journey. But the last one I talked a lot about want, don't want. And one of the reasons I use that language is because what some of us want would be viewed under the category of being positive and what some of us want would be under the category of negative. And, you know, I was listening to somebody else describe emotion as positive and negative, and I thought, you know, I don't think that's fair because some of us aren't afraid of our negative emotions, and some of us kind of like being there. And part of the reference to the dam and thinking about where you are in this process is we're all in a different place. But I have gone back and listened to some people that I haven't listened to for years or decades. And what's fascinating, and I've been in this survival place for so long, you know, I'm trying to extract myself from just survival since I figured out I can't 
function at that level. So there's really no use spending a lot of time there anymore. Uh, what's everybody else doing? And I have been, you know, I left a lot of these other worlds because they weren't interesting to me. It's what I call kind of a la-la world that's very disconnected from anything practical. Because, you know, my question was, what are we responsible for as humans on our own survival? Because the Western world civilization isn't responsible for anything. We don't know where our food comes from. We don't know where our energy comes from. We don't even know where the dams are and what's happening to them. And what's happening is they're all falling apart, but it's also the reference I'm making with this dam is there is an awakening process going on, but people are filtering what that awakening is through their own set of how they view the world. And you know, the big question is, is when the dam breaks, is it going to affect all of us or just some of us? And it's the pressure is building, building, building. And we're seeing that, you know, I think uh, I didn't read any articles and I'm not familiar with the guy in Argentina, but, you know, we're seeing populism pop up in other countries. And, you know, one of the stories that's most fascinating to me is El, Salva El Salvador. And I don't even remember the guy's name. And I've talked about him before, but he took one of the most dangerous countries in the world and turned it around in just a few short years to one of the safest countries in the world. And what what was said in reference to him is he got the people, the general public, excited about turning it all around. And they rounded up thousands and thousands of gang members who were running everything. And they stuffed them into these prisons. If you've seen pictures of it, you know, there's just thousands of men that are tattooed on almost every inch of their body being controlled, uh, sitting in lines almost naked, you know, touching each other. It's so compact. And it's not good in terms of what they're experiencing, but, you know, they've been cutting people's heads off and hanging them off, off of uh, bridges. So, you know, not a lot of sympathy in terms of what they're experiencing in prison, but the transformation of the country is breathtaking. And within that country, their dam broke. And what got swept away was all the heaviness, the darkness, the, the violence, uh, and it was contained. Whether it will stay contained, I don't know. But we're each having a different experience, you know, where we live, how we live, and what process we'll be experiencing when this dam breaks. And, you know, one of the things that's difficult in a place like America or the different countries of Europe or somewhere like China or Russia, where these India, where there's all these people, is that the pressure is much more intense because there's so many different ways of wanting to exist within that system. And when I talk about want and don't want, you know, what I may want might be in direct opposition to what you want. And the question is, can we live side by side or do we have to kill each other in the process? And it's a very difficult question because, you know, with the gang members in El Salvador, uh, the dam broke. Enough is enough. Somebody said no and got enough people to release the pressure of what, every, what the common people didn't want, violence, no life, being in fear all the time, to doing what it took to clean it up. And sometimes that's what the, the dam breaking does, is it's this huge pressure that cleans everything out. And there's a period of time where it has to be cleaned up. It takes time to put things back in order. But it's phenomenal that they have done it as quickly as they've done it. It would be much more difficult, you know, in a large system than it is in a smaller system. But there's that energy. I wanted to have you feel what that energy was. And pressure is different than danger. You know, I talk a lot about the fight response. 
but pressure is push is a fight response but sometimes pressure is pressure as in deadlines or pressure as in I can't take it anymore or pressure is pushing against what you don't want or pushing towards what you do want and it's not always fight against what you don't want Sometimes there's a push, and that push is pressure, and that pressure isn't always about danger and fear. And one of the reasons I'm trying to move you through all these basic, simple, uh, energetic ideas is that, you know, that's sort of been my aha moment, like I said last time, is these are the building blocks of the universe. The universe is energy and what we're doing or what I'm trying to do is is simplify this in my own mind uh, as the building blocks and how do I work with the building fundamentals versus trying to change the world or my life or somebody else, the dogs, through complexity. Because, you know, after I did that podcast, it occurred to me that, you know, that's always part of the process, whatever your personal area of expertise is. If you're an artist, you know, you step back at some point and you learn about color and you, you break it down into prime colors and how you create color. Uh, you break shapes down into their most simplistic geometric form. You create once you get to a certain level of mastery, the next step is to step back and understand it at its fundamental building block level of simplicity. We do that with musicians. You can play a song and be an awesome singer or an awesome guitar player, but to truly compose, you have to be able to step back and break it down. Uh, an architect, you have to be able to step back and understand simple engineering, push-pull, tension, pressure principles, or your building falls down, right? Who wants someone building a bridge that doesn't understand basic engineering principles? Uh, if you're a chef, if you love to cook, uh, you know, if any of you are like me and love baking bread, there's three ingredients that you need to bake bread. It's just water, salt, and flour, but you can add yeast or you can add uh, baking powder or you can add all kinds of things. But the, the recipe at its most simplistic form is you can actually take uh, water and flour and create a natural wild yeast. And so uh, that becomes sourdough. And so it's when you understand it at its most simplistic form, I say that because I finally found somebody explain to me how the sourdough starter actually worked to create a rise in the bread because I could never get my sourdough starter to lift my bread. It was always flat. But when you step back and you understand the simple basic components of your area of interest, your area of expertise, then you really take your own level of mastery to the next level. And part of that, you know, conversation I had in my head was uh, most people aren't going to care about what I'm talking about because most people aren't going to be like me that think this is important. And I get that, but it doesn't make me want to stop. And it's applicable to all of us. And one of the big things that I've seen in my process and what I hear out in the world. Uh, and I heard again, as I am diving into listening to people that I haven't listened to in a long time, is that the the, the popular conversation, the more prominent conversation is moving forward. Uh, you know, people are talking about concepts that 20 years ago was unconscious for most people. Now it's being sort of bandied about like everybody's an expert. And it's fascinating because we're all in a different level of understanding. But what I've tried to do with you guys is when you can break it down to the simplest set of systems, push, pull, pause, want, don't want, you can hear what we all have in common 
and where we're all at and where we're going, and more importantly, who we want to be and where we want to go by recognizing within ourselves what we want and what we don't want. Are we responding to pressure or are we using pressure? Do we like danger or do we want to run from it or avoid it? And none of this is right or wrong. Uh, But one of the big things that I've heard people talk about is, uh, and this is more men than women, but some women, is that uh, feelings and emotions are bad. They're useless. Just get out the way. You need to be logical and reason, uh, logic and reason. And that is not true. And it is, but it is a part of this process. But what we're seeing right now with this intensity of emotion getting ready to explode is part of why the dam's going to break is because we are starting to exit the period of time of repressing emotion. And what's happening is that that is creating pressure, which is going to be the dam breaking. So people... Uh, if you're a flight or freeze person, there is a point where you pop off, right? So you could be somebody who's very avoidant of conflict, but there's a moment where you just snap, right? And that's when the dam breaks. And we're, we're sort of in a collective moment right now where the dam is just about to break because so much pressure about what we don't want is getting put on us by as we awaken to these dark, terrible truths of what's going on in the schools and what's going on religion, what's going on politics. I mean, it's uh, the truth at this point is unbearable because there's so much injustice. And injustice is a fire that burns within Wired for Danger people. It is the primary point of every mission is to create justice. And it's almost always a losing battle. And it almost always is fraught with frustration, uh, failure, and your demise without any reward. And that's what's so fascinating what's about going on in El Salvador is that for right now, that guy got justice for the country. He put the bad guys away and Businesses are flourishing. Children are, I've heard, you know, kids are back to playing in the street. Uh, Tourism is growing. Business is growing. It's just been a phenomenal change. It feels like for for them at that moment, they've got justice. And so they're experiencing peace. But most of the time and for most of the world, the politics of any country is fraught with injustice and full of crazy people trying to uh, contain the power with the dam so they can get the energy uh, and eventually the pressure builds and it explodes because it's an unjust system. Uh, Much in the way in nature, you know, when you dam things up, everybody downstream suffers. Everybody upstream dies, you know, where the water collects. Uh, And the only people that win are the ones that built the dam in the first place. And one of the fundamental components of how the universe works is energy must move. It is always in a state of movement. That's the vibration and the frequency. And when you try to control energy, eventually the dam is going to burst. And pretty much the best you can do as you're observing is to decide where you want to be. Do you want to be, you see it coming and get out of the way, uh, move to a different country so you don't have to watch, stand at the side and watch, or do you want to go way upstream to avoid it? Or are you going to dive in and try to save all the people that are going to drown downstream? Or are you just going to give up and you know, you know, you're going to lose your house and you're going to lose all your stuff. So you're just going to drown uh, in the process of when the pressure is released. And all of that is not about right or wrong. We filter it through right or wrong. We filter it through justice or injustice. But it really is just want versus don't want. And the reason why I keep saying that is as I was listening to some people talk about 
positive and negative and for in energy and emotion and experiences the idea of positive and negative you know we take from electricity and one of the things that's always been fascinating to me is when you talk about grounding the human body the human body is actually in its natural state a negative charge and the reason that we have to physically ground to the earth is we have to discharge the positive out of our body. Uh, one of the reasons wind is irritating to us is that it overloads our electrical system with too many positive ions. I hope I have this right. I tend to mix it up. But the point being is that that we, if we don't find that balance, we get physically uncomfortable because our wiring system, our electrical system, our nervous system is imbalanced to what feels good, wanted versus not wanted, irritable. And that's all happening just without consciousness. It's just a process. And, you know, when you start to study the science of grounding, all these fascinating things happen to the body when you physically touch the ground. And, you know, civilization is pretty much the absence of ever touching the ground. And I think that's why so many people are out of whack, is that we have all this electromagnetic frequency dumping into our body that's creating an electrical imbalance. And it's like the dam is breaking. People go crazy. People get violent. People go insane. People just shut down and go into a coma because their electrical system within their body, their nervous system is, has gotten overwhelmed and there's nowhere to put that extra pressure, whether it's through physical exertion, whether it's touching the ground, you know, whether it's processing in a journal, whatever you're doing to discharge that. If it never gets discharged, eventually the dam breaks. And, you know, if you're the dogs and you're on the other side of me, when my dam breaks, it's uncomfortable. I've noticed that I'm starting to yell loudly again and the guy down there, that's okay. And he's pretty far away from me. And I'm thinking, oh crap, man, if he can hear me, I really need to tone it down because that's how I relieve my pressure. I yell, I make a lot of noise, I stomp around. Uh, it's something has to get discharged. And so one of the big issues I've had, because the opposite of justice is peace. You can't have no justice, no peace. It's almost impossible to feel peaceful in the face of great injustice. It's very difficult for us who are wired for danger to ever reconcile those two things. And this idea of peace has always been something very passive. And I've never been able to relate to that. And in a situation where you're talking about pressure, 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 reliefs of pressure, then you have that moment of peace, but then there's pressure, pressure, pressure. And so what I wanted to take you through here as I'm wandering through all these different things is if there's a video I put in the uh, description, <clears throat> I'm going to try to get it loaded so you can see the video, but I might only be able to get the link up. Uh, and that's one of those things I knew about a long time ago, and I, for whatever reason, it popped back in my head after I uh, made the podcast. And uh, there's a Japanese scientist, I've already forgotten his name, Mas Mas I get him, uh, Miyamoto Musashi, the samurai, and his name mixed up. But, but anyways, he was in the 70s. He had this idea uh, about testing the water in relationship to trying to measure or get some sense of vibration and frequency within the water itself. And uh, through time and practice, they found a way to take a picture. They freeze water at a single point and it shows a crystal. And I liked the longer video versus just the two or three minute ones where it just shows you what the words and the crystals look like because I wanted to see what the process was and did they take videos and it answers a lot more questions, uh, but it also makes a really important point about how we use that information, uh, you know, the Eastern version versus the Western version. But anyways, he, he finally, they got it all sorted and how to take these ice crystal pictures and then he did experiments with thought and with words and with location. And there was a consistency 
that what we would term positive, peace, hope, love, joy, thank you, love and gratitude was the most powerful combination of beautiful ice crystals versus what they term neg- what's termed negative, like hate, uh, derogatory comments, shaming, pollution, uh, creates uh, discordant energy vibration, which results in uh, chaotic, unformed crystal uh, water sample. So you would see this beautiful, the picture uh, on the top of this post is a picture of what a maybe a love frequency or a joy frequency would be. Uh, and something like a hate or anger frequency would just be a big fat mess. And we've we've come into the world calling these things positive and negative. And while I was looking at that, you know, where I am trying to move us away from that conversation in terms of the wanted and what and not want is that we have this idea that only peace and love and perfect joy and safety and comfort is what we should always want. And everything else is bad, not want. And you know, the second thing or a third thing or fourth thing I've been doing is listening to these near-death experiences. And they speak of this place, post-physical world, where everything is these positive emotions or these higher vibration. Everything is love. Everything is knowing. Everything is calm. Everything is beautiful. Everything is shiny and reborn. But there's no pressure. There's nothing unwanted. There's only just this sort of one vibrational state without pressure. And we say that's what we want. And the secret thought I've always had is, yeah, but I'd get bored. So, you know, there's this idea that heaven is perfect safety, comfort, love, joy, light, being, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I'd get bored. And I'm starting to make more peace with that as an idea in terms of how to describe it. But when we enter this third dimensional world of a lot of emotion and a lot of range of our frequency, we have this language of positive and negative, wanted and unwanted. We assume the wanted is all positive and the unwanted is all negative. But there's a shame in that, right? There's a cultural bad Uh, There is, you know, you look at these beautiful crystals and you think, oh, all I ever want to be is happy and joyful and peaceful. But I put them up for two reasons. One, for anybody who thinks that emotion isn't real and has no value, that isn't true and the understanding is a misunderstanding. Two, the assumption that everybody wants to be in a perfect state of joy, peace and love, harmony every minute of every day isn't realistic in this world. And three, it's not bad to not be perfect 24-7, 365. We're in a dynamic receptive world. We're in a push-pull-pause world. We can't learn to manage the want and the unwanted without movement. If we're in a static crystal form, that you know, what I was thinking is that, well, first, it's beautiful, but it's fragile. It's easily shattered. You have to tiptoe around. You can't, if you're in a glass building, like everything you touch, you get dirty. There's a fingerprint. Uh, you know, it's exhausting to keep clean. Uh, you know, there's a lot of comfort in being out here in the dirt as much as the dirt drives me crazy. I don't worry when I drop a crumb, right? When I wear my old crummy clothes, I don't worry when I get the 785th stain on it. When I'm wearing something I really like, it's clean and beautiful and I never wear it because I don't want it to get dirty. I don't want it to get used. I don't want it to become imperfect. And so when we operate from this positive is everything we want, negative is everything we don't want, it creates a pressure that becomes a dam of repressed emotion and it bursts. And it's very uncomfortable when it's a person and you're downstream from that. And it's going to be a nightmare when it happens to us collectively within a country. But we're having a moment of pressure because we're being forced to look at a lot of what we don't want 
because we've been afraid of it, because we call it negative. And I wanted to just take you into those pictures because just because the water has no beauty in it at that moment, the other thing that they demonstrate is when you put your energy into the water, it transforms. Uh, one of the experiments is they took water that's polluted, they prayed, and it became beautiful crystals. Uh, tap water, which I thought was so interesting, has almost no form to it. So when they uh, bring the power of what they want, you know, beauty, clarity, cleanness, whatever, it transforms. And you know, the, the logical leap is the human body is 70% water. What happens when we think negative emotions? Well, it depends. Where, what do you want? Sometimes anger and fury, you know, I talk about it all the time. That's the fuel that propels me into the peace. It is the process that I move up and down because I have to discharge the energy somehow. If I sit around and pretend like I'm happy all the time and I repress my emotions, I become stoic at the cost of great control, it pushes that energy in, but it has to do something. And it becomes very disruptive to the body because we're in denial about the repressed energy. Instead of letting it discharge, just like the negative and positive ion, without the discharge, it creates problems. And we're so afraid of being seen as negative. If we're having negative emotions, bad. You shouldn't feel that way. She shouldn't talk like that. And I get it. It's disruptive. You know, my neighbors don't need me here to yell, you know, fuck, 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 fuck. But it's part of who I am. And that discharges out and then it goes away. Whereas if I have to be in a, when I was a social worker and I wasn't allowed to be anything but perky and happy and, and, uh, perfect, right? Solve every problem, never have a negative emotion, never be upset. Uh, and you know, I just would get, my whole job was dealing with a bunch of things I didn't want to deal with. It was extremely difficult. And every once in a while I'd lose it. I would be, I'd make a sarcastic comment. I would say something inappropriate. And it was like the world had come to an end because I wasn't perfect. And it was so destructive to me, my health, my psyche. You know, I had to leave because I was physically falling apart because I couldn't stay in that much unwanted, toxic, horrific energy and never be allowed to be honest about any of it. I had to pretend like I was okay and never speak the truth, which is, you know, you're responsible for creating this mess. Why am I responsible for fixing it for you? Uh, there was just no self-awareness by anybody. It was all about, you know, fix this for me, wipe my rump for me. I don't know how nurse, nurses did that. It was just gross. So when the dam breaks, it's really just a whole bunch of energy that's under pressure that happens to us individually, but it's also happening to us collectively. And as I was listening to these other people's points of view, what I call the la-la people, uh, you know, I create my reality. Everything is perfect. I can be happy all the time. I could never be around those people because I could feel the ever repressed energy of all they were unwilling to acknowledge. Uh, and the same thing is true with all the righteous people. Well, everybody else is wrong and we're right. And their complete absence of awareness of their part in all of this is unbearable. And so, you know, the more disjointed we are within our own energy systems, you know, the more difficult it is for someone else to be around you unless they're in complete agreement with you. And as we're collectively getting more and more energy as information about what we want and what we don't want, there's a pressure building. And, you know, if you're in a small country like El Salvador, there's enough people who want the same thing that they were able to transform it. If you're in a country like America, where we now have 
wide chasms between what we want and we don't want. You know, the the Islamic culture's version of peace isn't making peace with their neighbor. It's conquering or killing them or making them forced to agree. One of my, uh, the fascinating things I listened to a history guy speak about religion as a historic a historical reference, not a uh, spiritual one. And he was talking about Moses and he talked about Islam and Muhammad. And And I guess Muhammad tried to be peaceful. And so he was, you know, a peace prophet. And he had like 75 people following him. And he was frustrated because nobody would listen to him. He's like, I want to be a prophet. I want you to listen to me. And he didn't have enough followers. And so his solution was to get violent. And so what he would do is he would go into a village. He would say, convert or die. And so everybody who converted could live. Anybody who refused to convert was killed. And he kept repeating this pattern into each village. And that's how Islam grew. Not because he is the he was peaceful, but because he quit being peaceful, he started to control through power. And you didn't have a choice, wanted or unwanted, conform or die. And so, you know, when there's this idea about, you know, we just want peace, what most people don't understand about that particular religion is that peace is defined as everybody does what Muhammad wants or you die. Now, that's a very unjust system and it's a very unwanted system and it's in direct Uh, conflict with the way most Americans have been raised as rugged individualism and don't tell me what to do. And so we're starting to see this clash. Uh, Communism, everybody must conform or go to prison and die. Uh, Well, if you are uh, born in a world that says you don't have to conform, the more conformity that's pushed on you, that pressure, whether you recognize it as danger or not, there's going to be increased resistance and eventually that dam is going to break. And that's what we're seeing happen. Uh, And the reason, you know, I want to talk about all that and I want to talk about emotion and energy is that uh, we get a choice. We can get out of the way. We can move upstream. We can move downstream. We can try to rescue the people that are drowning. We can try and scream and yell and say, hurry up. The dam's about to break. We get to choose where we want to be in this process, but we don't get to choose how this process unfolds. It is our collective energy that is going to create the unfoldment of this process in the same way that you get to manage your own energy. You get to manage the energy within your family. Uh, You know, the dogs don't want what I want all the time, but I win, right? And that's not great for them, but what they don't understand is there's a reason. You can't run into the street. There's cars. They're bigger, faster, and stronger than you, and they will squish you. So they don't understand why I don't want them to do X, Y, Z, but I can see things that they can't see. And we have to kind of assume the same thing. There's things happening that we don't understand and that we can't see, but we do get to choose how we want to manage the pressure. And one of the ways that we discern what we want and what we don't want is by how we feel. The absence of feeling is not an evolved state of enlightenment, whether we bliss out and we have no feeling, but we just float around, uh, whether we we are a sociopath or a psychopath where we create atrocities and we have no feeling about them at all. Uh, You know, most of us are in the middle somewhere trying to manage our energy and the power of emotion is really the feedback mechanism for what the pressure and the energy and the movement is telling you about wanted and unwanted. So when you feel anger, you think, I don't want that. But the pressure of the anger is giving you information. Do you want to change yourself? Do you want to change the environment? 
You want to get out of there? Do you want to go create a new law? Do you want to run for political office to change what you don't want? Instead of just saying, well, I don't want to feel angry, so I'm going to push it down and pretend like I'm not angry. Uh, it doesn't mean you get what you want. It means you get the opportunity to deal with the energy in the way that best serves you. And until, you know, we all move into that direction, right, there's always going to be a lot of chaos. But if you can think about feeling an emotion as a feedback me mechanism, it's telling you where you are on the frequency scale. And lower vibration, lower energies like anger, rage, hate, and higher love, peace, joy is just an up and down. It's a horizontal. It's not a, ver I mean, it's vertical. It's not horizontal, good and bad. It's up and down, wanted and unwanted. And we, we are wired to feel all of that as we navigate the environment as we navigate this experience. It's a frequency wave. You just have to look at a sine wave up and down, up and down, up and down. We're managing it. And the, the mastery is when you break it down into these simplistic blocks and you're not judging it as love, peace, joy, good, uh, rage, fury, hate, bad. And you're afraid of the hate, the fury, the rage. So you run away from it or you freeze up in the face of it or you go fight and beat it up. Mastery is just looking at all of this and saying, this is the world I'm in. I get to choose how I want to navigate and operate. Uh, and at some point, collectively, we have to grow up and recognize that we're all participating and how are we going to navigate this with what we want and what we don't want when they're in conflict. And so I will end this with my mouse example, right? Uh, the I gave you the whole breakdown on why it was important to set boundaries. And if you don't deal with it when it's a little problem, you know, it becomes a massive problem. So even though I don't want push against hate, rage, hate mice, right? I still have to deal with it. Well, so the next uh, day after I left you in the last podcast, I found a nest in the engine. So they had started to build a nest, which means it's a little girl, which means babies are coming. So I pulled out all the little nesting. It wasn't too much. My, I hate when there's like babies in the nest because I feel terrible. But anyways, there was no babies in the nest and it wasn't a lot. So I, I found the cayenne pepper. At least I remembered to bring that. So I put the nest on the ground and I cayenne peppered it and I, I sprinkle cayenne pepper all over the engine because what happens is when they walk in it then they lick their feet and their mouth is hot and then they leave it becomes an unfriendly but non-death zone uh, and then I put the live trap out uh, but I also flipped into that it's war right so you're now in my engine where my wires are and I still can't see if they uh, unfortunately, it's in one of those places where you can't quite see, you know, if they chew through the wire or not. And uh, so I flipped off into my little brain, into the war is on, I want to kill you. I thought I had brought my poison, but it wasn't here. So uh, my level two is the cayenne and the life trap. Uh, level three is poison. So I thought, okay, we're going to do that. So that next night, I didn't see any evidence. The next evening, when I got up in the morning, there was a mouse in the live trap. So I relocated the mouse, uh, and that brings us to this morning. I haven't seen what activity is going on in there. But I wanted to talk about, you know, for me, the switch flipped in my brain. You are now in the space of my vehicle in which you are not allowed. You are in my territory. You've crossed my boundary. And my immediate response is, I want to kill you. Now, I can think that. I can feel that. I can process that. But I don't have to do that. And that's where we get into trouble. We're seeing that, you know, in wars around the world. You've crossed into my boundary and I want to kill you. I want to justify killing you because X, Y, and Z. And that is an irrational response to every problem because there's no universe where I want you to kill me because I won't convert to your religion. 
there's just no universe. I want you coming into my home and displacing me because you want my home. So if we don't want it done to us, how on earth are we justifying doing it to others? But I don't have the answer to that because I want to kill the mice, right? And I can because they're mice. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do and I prefer a deterrent, but these are the big questions that we have. And as Wire for Danger people, we often flip into I want to kill you as justice. You have touched my stuff. I'm going to kill you now. And that isn't the way we solve problems. And we have to learn to move past using that kind of force, that kind of violence, that kind of push fight against what we don't want. You're in my territory. Uh, because the mouse, the mouse is not going to pick up and move on its own. I can pick up and move, but once you get too crowded, the population becomes too dense, that's no longer an option. So I don't have any perfect solutions to all of this because I don't think we're here in the world as bodies to have a perfect, comfortable life. I don't think we're here to be blissed out and peaceful sitting in a cave saying, Om, or, you know, sitting in a mansion, having everything and everything we want delivered to us 24-7, 365. I don't think we're here to live in a prison and being tortured. I don't think we're here to suffer in ungodly and unbearable ways. And I don't think we're here to be blissed out and oblivious to anybody else's suffering. I think we're all navigating the middle because that's how we learn. And there's exceptions. They're sitting out on the fringes to show us the exceptions. But most of us are the rule. We're in the middle and we're trying to navigate this. And we're all wired up to navigate it in a different way. And it's not about right or wrong or positive or negative. It's about how do we navigate what we want and we don't want when we all want and don't want different things. But if we're making everybody else wrong because they don't want what we want, and so we're going to kill you or control you as the solution... Well, that doesn't work for me either. And it doesn't work for most of us. So I, I know this is like one, not interesting, two, obvious, but it's also extremely difficult and nuanced. And most humans are not wired to deal with this at a nuanced level. That is mastery. That is intelligence. That is desire. And it's not right or wrong to not want to deal with it. We're not all in this world at this point in time to do, feel, and have be the same thing. And so, you know, I've created all this and I'm moving into something that's very specific and niche because I haven't heard anybody else talk about this and I am extremely aware that my way of being in the world is unwanted by most, is perceived as negative by most, and is judged wrong by most, not because there's something wrong with me, but because they're uncomfortable. And so it takes a long time to understand these things about ourselves when we don't fit in. You know, some people at a young age find their little niche and they move in. But, you know, my process isn't about living in a corner and not participating. You know, I, I want to be in the thick of the fight. And then when it's done, retreat and recover. But I get bored when things are comfortable and safe. And so I throw myself back into chaos. Then I poop out and I have to retreat and recover and then I get bored. And so, you know, we label that as there's something wrong with you. And the feedback, there's something wrong with you. Unless you can make a lot of money at it, then we can say, oh, look how awesome you are. So 
these are just, you know, this is my process sorting all this out with you kind of in live time. So hopefully you can pick and choose the pieces that make sense for you. Uh, it creates more understanding for yourself or for those around you. But it also helps explain what's going on around us collectively. This dam, this pressure is building. And we're all coming to a point within our quote-unquote civilized world where that civilization is going to break down. Not because we can't all sit around and bliss out and have perfect crystals of joy and happiness in us and around us, but because it's process. It has to be destroyed to be rebuilt. We're afraid of the mess, uh, but that's always been something that's been very natural for me. I can always see the beauty in the broken, whether it's in relationships, which have never really, uh, I don't recommend, but in restoring the trailer, absolutely, right? So I've learned we don't want to do that with people, but I can do that with objects I can rebuild, right? It's why I have the dogs. These poor little things are all abused and a mess and have nowhere to live. Now I have two dogs. So we're all in this in our own unique way. And I'm trying to, for myself, you know, break it down into these very simplistic blocks and taking out the the shame and the guilt and the frustration and the misunderstanding and all that don't want as judgment uh, filtered through most other people's eyes, not my own, to make peace with it within myself so that I can move forward in a, in a way that works more for me. Uh, but I'm sharing it with you because I don't think I'm the only one that's walking through the world this way. And I do think, though, there's nobody, I haven't found anybody that's talking about it in this way. We're still very focused on my way is the right way. And when the dominant voices out in the world are my way is the right way. And what I'm trying to share is there is no right way. There is no positive way or negative way. There's just what we want and what we don't want. And we are guided by our emotions and how we respond and how we use them as we navigate the world and not judge them as good or bad, positive or negative. I think that's a big problem that we have to overcome because not all of us want to be perfectly safe and perfectly com comfortable and with zero conflict or challenge out in the world because some of us get bored. So with that, that's a lot. Deep breath, my friends, and I... We'll see you next time.